0: And from Rumi's Hidden Music. Here is someone hidden who has taken hold of me and does not let me go. Here someone is hidden, softer than the soul who led to the garden of spirit and made me homeless. Here someone is hidden, a radiant face as delicate and pleading as the ethereal movement before sleep. Here someone is hidden like sweetness in sugar cane, an invisible magician who has captured my soul. Hidden somewhere inside, my beloved and I have dissolved into each other. No beauty in the world can ever tempt me, for I see only the face of my beloved. Tired and in pain, I searched the world for help until I found in love the cure for my pain. Here someone hidden whispers, pass beyond your tears, and you will see the broken heart lover broken hearted lovers are the Lords in heaven. Here someone hidden appears, holding love's wine, and to him I give all my vows.
1: And what do you have to say about that?
0: I believe it. Why do
1: we read those?
0: Just kind of brings us conscious and present into something wonderful.
1: (laughs) Did you guys hear that? Sometimes it remembers why we do what we do. I mean, if anything, it does bring us more present, but also that's why we even share books such as Rumi or Gibran. Um, you know, they're great books to read as far as inspiration to really get us to focus more on that action of spirit. And there's a lot of valuable keys in there as well. I know the poetry doesn't quite give the tools, so to speak, although in some of it it does. It often serves to serve more as inspiration, but yet in the poetry there is a lot of the hidden meaning in there. And that's a lot of the the discovery, though, in the process. And it can help to read poetry by a mystic who is awake and use it to begin to stir the consciousness more awake and begin to find the hidden meaning in that. It's often called a mystical pathway we're walking, but there's truth within the poetry or the sharing of different saints and mystics through the ages. And it can help to study that but if we can look at it as a study to really more stir us awake to that greater truth that is in the teaching or the poetry, then we're applying it or using it in a right way, so to speak, to serve us on our own spiritual journey. But when we begin to take something like that and look at it more as an academic type of approach to understand mentally or intellectually is where we find ourselves falling short of why that teaching or poetry was given in the first place. Because truly all mystic and saints that are truly awake are really only sharing to help inspire and stir awake the soul within each of their students. Nothing more. It's not meant to be somebody special in the world, look at how great I can write, look at this performance I'm doing, getting people to think. That's not the intent behind that. It's getting people to really begin to look at, observe, contemplate, and awaken to the truth of what is being shared. And that's what we're doing here in these classes. It's not about just giving information, but really more look at how we can apply the information, how we can utilize it to support ourselves in our own awakening to that divine within ourselves. And so it really is that journey of awakening. Just like we have the journey in the world as we go through our physical experiences, well, there's a spiritual journey that we also travel. And so what we're doing here in ILM is focusing on that spiritual journey and realize it's not about the world. The world's a reflection. So we'll often talk about examples in the world to give us a reference or an idea of the spiritual journey, but that's only to serve as a reflective process that might give us a greater understanding of what that inner journey is. But there comes this point in all of our lives where we really do need to let go of the physical attachment and what actually happens in our physical lives. Because that's really what holds the soul in bondage or caught up in the world. And as long as we keep attached or caught up to our physical experiences, we hold ourselves down and out. And in that type of a focus, we're not going to wake up and see the greater truth of spirit in and behind and through all of life. In other words, we've got to move to a different perspective within ourselves. It's often called a state of observation or getting an altitude, that's more the spiritual reference. So we can begin to more see the greater truth of life itself that gives all of this, the world in other words, liveliness or activity, the appearance of movement and motion. It's the light and the sound that makes up that truth of what God is, that consciousness, that frequency, that loving, that spirit. That's what gives movement or motion to all the reflection or what we often call the illusion. I sometimes don't like even using that word because you go, wait a minute. When I look around and everything certainly looks real, I can feel it, I can taste it, I can touch it, I can smell it, I can hear it. It's kind of hard for me to take in when I hear you guys talk about, well, it's just an illusion. So why not look at it in a different way? Rather than looking at it in disbelief, how can we approach things to maybe come into greater acceptance? And often I found the simple way to do that is not to look at or focus on what we don't want, but to really begin to look more at and focus on what it is we're after or do you want to discover, to experience, to learn, whatever that may be. And so, instead of trying to learn or discover or come to know the truth of the illusion, if we can even say the truth of the illusion, why not turn our focus and really wake up and discover the truth of spirit? I have found it as I discover more of that truth that all of a sudden, all this manifestation of life, of the creative expression of spirit, begins to take on meaning and understanding. And I begin to see this thing we call the illusion or the reflection in the world that we're living. But so much of this seems so ethereal, doesn't it? When we talk about spirit or kind of out there, because most of us are more concerned about our physical lives and trying to make our lives better. Better health, better wealth, better whatever. And so that often occupies our focus, our time, our actions, our energy. And often we turn to God or spirit or this universe of the unseen to the physical eye looking for answers to try to make our physical lives better. Or our emotional or mental lives. Or our fantasy lives. On all those levels. And that's just often what we do. Not realizing that that's actually holding us back from really awakening to the greater truth, the direct experience of spirit that gives life to the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and body. So, in ILM we're simply sharing a way, to begin to go beyond all the physical material and psychic and begin to really discover that spirit in and through all of it, that gives it animation. But we've got to focus on that in order to really discover that. And one of the wonderful things is, and you may be discovering this already, and if not, at some point you will, that as you really focus more on spirit that gives life an animation, you'll actually begin to find the physical, the imagination, the emotions, and the mind come into greater balance and alignment where your life actually does start to move in a different way or work out in better ways. And you know why? You ever heard of this thing, let go, let God, Lord, thy will be done? But often don't we do that when we get in times of desperation, times of need. Or when we have a great desire of something we really want. So we look to God to bring us the magic to make it happen. We can snap our fingers and there it is. It's all different. It's often how we do look to God. Well, the good news is at least we're beginning to look to God. To begin to trust or have faith or somehow allow that in our lives so that our lives do become better. So it's a start. It begins to set our feet upon that journey of discovery, of really coming to know and learn more about the truth of spirit as we begin to walk through all the illusion. So there's a movement, there's a motion, and that's the journey and just to allow it. But there is this process of letting go, of letting go of our attachments, of letting go of the reflection, of letting go of our worries, our concerns, our fears, our judgments, our expectations, our own personal wants and needs, as we call them. Letting go. But that's often misinterpreted as like getting rid of these physical things in our lives. That's an outer action. That's not a spiritual action. That's not what we're saying in the ILM here to do. We're talking about letting go of the inner attachments to the outer experience. Letting go of our needs and wants. Those are inside of us. Letting go of our fears and our judgments our expectations. Those are inside of us. Those are the attachments. Those are the things that keep us focused down and out into the world, rather than allowing ourselves to look in and up to spirit. So this is all done inside. And this can be done regardless of how little, or how much, how big, how small, how whatever is going on in your physical life. It has nothing to do with the physical. With your family, with your material belongings, again, no matter how much or how little is involved in any of that. Doesn't have to do with your job. Doesn't have to do with anything in the world. It's all done inside. So let go of all that. There's so many misconceptions about detachment, attachment, and all that, and we often mistake it as oh, it's something I physically need to do. It's nothing to do with physically needing to do anything. It's simply what we do in ourselves. But here's the other problem we run into often when we hear about this process of letting go of our attachments, whatever they may be, whether it's a mental belief or a concept or a construct or an emotional attachment, an imaginational attachment or a physical attachment. The first we need to realize it's what we do inside. But the problem often we we also confront, that I was getting to here, is that we are focused on the letting go. But the other part of that phrase, let go and let God. So we're so busy focusing on the letting go that we may even sometimes forget about the letting God. Because we get so now focused and caught up in or attached to even the letting go process never done this at all you journey at all oh i need to forgive it all i need to let it all go i need to clear this karma so i'll be free well why why do you need to clear anything why do you need to be free of anything why do you even need to let it go is that what you really want is to let stuff go Or is what you really want the thing that you're after by letting go of something? So in here, obviously, we talk about God. And often it is because that's what we want, and it's been taught through the ages about letting go of the world to get God, right? Well, the way to make this path simple is to focus and move towards what you want And not focus on trying to get rid of what you don't want. Simple phrase. You get what you focus on. So if you focus on the letting go process, well, you're going to get a lot of letting go. You'll be letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go, and then you'll be wondering, why the hell am I not getting what I want? Because I'm letting go of everything. Because you're still focused on all the things you're letting go of. Let go of that. It can become a new habit, a pattern. I've done it, I've seen it done over and over and over by people. Focus on what you want and move towards going towards that. And in this case, yes, I'm talking about spirit, about God, about your awakening and knowing your own divine truth. But this really applies for just about anything, even material things. There's really more focusing on what you want and moving and doing, the actions it takes to get there And guess what? When you do that, the letting go process, it begins to take place automatically. Because all the time and energy you were putting into the letting go, now you're putting all that time and energy into now moving into what you want. And so you're going to get what you want. The soul is creative. So as we put time and energy, our essence, into anything we do, we're giving it life. That's creativity. That's creation. It's how we are co-creators with God, how we are creators ourselves. Anything we give time and energy to, we are giving life to. We, the soul, are that living life that gives the animation to all of this in the physical experience. And I include the mind and emotions with that insane physical. So remember that. It's you, the soul, that is the creator that gives life to your experience in these worlds of time and space. So if you want to let go of something and stop giving life to certain things in your life, then you've got to stop focusing on it because every time you do, it gives it life. So if you just focus on spirit, you're going to now awaken to that, because that's what you're now giving the time and the energy in life to. And when you're not feeding that life into all these other things, as you pull the life essence out of that, it just drops away. It dies. That's what happens, it dies. But we often fear death, not only of ourselves, but even fear the death of those things we've created in our lives. And so through that fear, we will keep holding on to and giving it life. That's often why this path can be challenging, because we literally will come face to face with our fears. And that fear of death is a great fear, often the greatest. So realize, in letting go of our creations, that energy, our essence, is going to go somewhere. Often we'll just trade it for another thing in the world. But those of us that are on a spiritual journey, we can begin to trade that out now for the spiritual journey back home to God rather than the spiritual journey through the physical world. Notice they call them both spiritual journeys because that's what it is. The soul is on a spiritual journey because it's spirit on a journey of experience. So as we begin to give now more time and focus and energy to that inner journey back through the realm of spirit into the heart of God, we're going to begin to have inner experience and come to know the greater truth of that experience rather than the experience in the world. I hope I'm being really simple and breaking this down in more practical, simple, applicable ways, because that's what we want to do. It's just how things function. Once you discover how things function, then it's a matter of now just doing it the way it works rather than the fantasy of what we wish it would be or expecting it to be this magical, mystical thing that just mysteriously happens. And we have no idea how it does. So in other words, we're beginning to take the mystery out of it by beginning to live it and wake up to what the mystery is. That's why often a lot of spiritual teachings are called mystery schools or mystical pathways. Because it is a mystery to the physical level. It is a mystery to the mind and the emotions. But as we begin to let go of that focus, enough focus on spirit, then the mystery is solved. Anybody here like mystery movies? like To fi- figure out the crime, who did it? It can be like that. This is where it can be a, a fun journey of discovery, of discovering the answer, the clue, the who did it. Well, God did it. All right, he's guilty. Let me go get him then and see what I'll do when I get him. So we move towards that. And it's in that movement towards it we begin to find the answers. The doors begin to open. We begin to truly discover and come to know that which we are seeking after. We talk about all these different reference points over and over here. Sometimes I don't know what else to say because in truth the spiritual journey is always the same. We can talk about it, describe it in so many different ways, but it's always the same. And it's always such a simple pathway. There's no mystery, there's no magic. And that's often why you don't see many people doing this pathway. Because everybody's looking for the mystery and the magic. The magical, miraculous experience. Not realizing that the magic and the miracles are taking place all the time. That life itself is an amazing, miraculous thing. But even more so when we begin to really wake up and discover the greater truth of it, that which is unseen to the physical eye. So that's what we're doing. When we move inside in the meditation, when we place our attention and focus into the spiritual eye, we're beginning to look within, to look to spirit, so that we begin to see that greater truth of that journey unfolding. And even on that, though, many of us still look for the psychic or the intuitive, look to the future, look to the past. And that's all part of it. We'll have experiences along the way there. But to even to look beyond all that is the greater journey. Because believe it or not, even all the mystical, magical, mysterious Miraculous, it's so ordinary after a while. It kind of loses its luster. We get bored with it, as we often do with things in life. So we begin to keep looking for something new. And that's the wonderful thing on this journey. There's always something new. There's always another experience. There's other greater awakenings yet to come. And so we just keep coming back, taking the next step, keep focusing in the direction we want to go, keep learning through our experience, keep discovering that greater truth of spirit. And it's funny because in this world, we'll be motivated both through the negative and the positive. So this isn't about being negative or about being positive. We're trying to get rid of the negative. We're going to have both in this world. There's no way around it because this world is negative and positive. It's what keeps it together, the magnet. You remove one of the polarities and it all goes away. That's why we speak about neutrality. The path of spirit is unconditional. It's neutral. That's freedom. You can move about freely. That's just part of the learning along the way. Then we realize, oh my God, it's okay even when we experience the negative in life. But often, isn't it the negative that quite often motivates us even more than the positive? I mean, think about it. How many times do you call out to God when you're going through a negative experience as compared to how much do you call out or reach out to God when you're going through wonderful, positive things in your life? I think the negative, at least for me, is quite often kind of outweighed the positive in that way. Makes you wonder, my God, if that's true, you know this word sabotage? I know a lot of people use it nowadays. Am I constantly sabotaging myself to have more negative experiences? Because in the negative experiences, through that drama and the crisis type of mode is when I really call out and reach out more for God. And then I tend to have more, of those spiritual experiences when I'm going through the suffering or the tough times or challenging times in life? I found that to be true for me a lot, not so much these days, but the years preceding. I remember several years where I went through a lot of more negative, and boy, did I spend a lot more time meditating than I do today? So was the negative negative or bad then? Or was it a great motivator that got me to really look towards spirit? Because I so badly wanted to get out of the negative experience, I was doing everything I could. And it worked. I had to start looking at what I called negative very differently after that. And then I found even the positive sometimes becoming negative because I do all this positive thinking and positive programming, positive motivating to get the things I want physically in life. And then I found all that positive stuff started creating now physical attachments because I started getting more and more focused on the physical because I was trying to create a better life. And then I found, okay, there's a pendulum swinging out of the positive side of life. But then as I Started creating all these expectations and attachments and wants and desires. And then I started to feel the weight of that. And then guess what happened? The positive turned to a negative now. And then that weight now became a burden. And I started feeling the pain of the burden. So I went, okay. I think I'm going to let go of my positive attachments as well. So what do we do? We start swinging back and forth. But through that, we keep coming across the center. Oop, there it is. Oop, there it is. We keep touching into that place of neutrality, of where the freedom of loving exists. Right in our own center. Then we find, as we keep practicing this thing called meditation, that it brings us right to center. It doesn't just have to be happenstance or a coincidence, but something we can consciously act on and do to bring ourselves to center, to bring ourselves out of the negative, out of the positive, out of the attachment, into that greater place of expansiveness where we come to know that greater truth of the divine. And then we see the negative and positive of this world as simply a wonderful journey of the soul. And through that magnetic polarity, it creates this illusion of existence or of of experience. We see it for what it is. We honor it. We even move into loving of it. The good and the bad because that's what freedom allows us to do, is to love the good and the bad, because that's how we stand free. So find that within yourself. Have your experience. Find that place of neutrality. Find that place of loving for the good and the bad And remember something. It always begins with you. And it always ends with you. And you're always in the middle of it. And you're always through every part of it. Because it is you who's having the experience. So just keep remembering that. And keep focusing on that. And you'll really come to know all of life's journey, not just the awakening to the divine, but you'll actually come to know the illusion, the facades, the falsities. Because as you let go and move into the neutral place of observation, by not having any attachment, you rise above it and you get to see it. Then there's the joy of the freedom And then, guess what? That joy comes back with you even when you come back into this place of attachment, into this place where we can't quite see the greater truth, and we're living in the illusion. All it takes is a glimpse to really know that. And as you know that from that one glimpse, you begin to live that greater freedom even in the illusion. You begin to realize maybe you're not as trapped as you thought you were. Maybe you really have greater freedom. Maybe you've had that greater freedom all along, and all you're doing now is waking up and realizing that. Before, you're just believing in the illusion, and it was that belief that seemed to give the appearance of entrapment. It's often said we set ourselves free. You are your own Messiah. All you need is the tools of how to set yourself free. And that's all we're doing here is sharing the tools. But then it's up to you to apply them so you get the freedom, so you get the benefit, so you get the experience and come to know that greater truth for yourself. And then you get to now live that freedom, live that loving. And can you continue that journey of greater experience and liberation? Even while you're here in the physical body, even as you keep going through challenges, the challenges will be very different because you know the greater truth of your freedom and spirit. You begin to see how to even handle things differently in your life. because you've allowed yourself to remain more neutral from that higher state of observation where you can even see the solutions, even in your physical day-to-day problems. When you live from that place, you begin to wonder, are there truly any miracles or magic after all? Or is a miracle magic just living the truth of who I am spiritually? And in that and from that, Everything unfolds in perfection. Lord, thy will be done. And so it is.